And so it begins. The whole of his mind is apparently his personality. Wait, 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 wait. A rabbi and a boxer arrive <laughs> on a space yeah. station. Broke off. Guys, I have a stop. He's here. totally hitting on Kosh now. Totally sexual harassment. Basically, the Mount Rari are drama creeps. He's gonna come out of his butt. I can't believe this martial law wreck where I have been, dammit. Hey, <laughs> Jeff- Jeffrey Sinclair. Oh, ah, what's happening? Oh my god. The sausage must teach Rocket Cast not to blow up universe. My Whedon senses should have been tingling. And we know that IKEA survived. This torture session may be recorded for quality assurance. <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> Now he's a dead dragon. Jack the Ripper, you there. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ben. I'm Beth. We are pleased to be joined again by the Babylon Lurker. It's Ian. Hey, Ian. Just posted, I think, your last appearance last night. So, okay, <laughs> always good to have you on. Yeah, it's always good to be on. And what a momentous episode you! <laughs> uh, yeah, on. well, that was my first choice, of course. Yeah, season five. Yeah. Of season five, I, I consider this one the best. Okay. Yeah, I know it's not the best time of year for commentaries and everything, but you can definitely see why. Well, this one we wanted your commentary back. <laughs> yeah, we tried. We, but uh, we actually were going to record on Tuesday, I think. But then Heidi remembered that she couldn't record. <laughs> so, it, um, real shame because this is a hell of an episode for commentary. Yes. Oh, yeah. Too bad. All the answers you get. Yeah. Uh, so today, but you know what? Oh. It's kind of like one of those episodes people probably would have be annoyed listening to a commentary because. They'd be like, Shh, you know, listen, to the, listen to the words on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, today we are here to discuss episode 18 of season five, The Fall of Centauri Prime. But first, an ISN special report. We interrupt this broadcast of Sparks, Nevada, to bring you a special ISN report. A siege by Narn and Drazi ships on Centauri Prime ended with both sides standing down after widespread damage to the capital, and put short work to the Centauri Interstellar Alliance War. At some point during the siege, the Centauri Regent passed away from unknown causes. Londo Malari, previously ambassador to Babylon 5 and prime minister, was inaugurated as the new Centauri Emperor. His ascension comes at a dark time for the Centauri, as war reparations have been demanded by the Alliance and extensive rebuilding is needed. In a troubling speech, the new Emperor Malari blamed the former regent for the war, strongly criticized the alliance and the reparations, and proclaimed the Centauri Republic to be alone in the universe. As always, we will keep you updated on further developments. And now, back to your regularly scheduled program. Stroke off! I wish there was a podcast I could listen to every day to keep up with the geeky world. Someplace I could find out about news, movies, comics, and video games. All that available every single day. There's no way a podcast could do it. I guess I'm just a dreamer. Hey, 
Geek, wake up. Geek Radio Daily is the podcast of your dreams. Go to geekradiodaily.com. Subscribe through iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Geek Radio Daily provides your daily dose of geek, comics, movies, video games, news, and more. It's all the geek without the wait. The Fall of Centauri Prime originally aired October 28, 1998. About four and a half months after the previous episode, I read somewhere that one of the reasons they did that was because, you know, TNT was still airing reruns every weeknight. So they wanted to give people a chance to get caught up so they could watch the end of the show live. But that just confuse people who uh, just tuned in for the reruns as a first time viewer and they're going right into this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had already seen the reruns one time through by this point, so I think I was caught up. It was directed by Doug Wise, who's been an assistant director on a lot of like Star Trek movies and on Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared. I think this was one of his first directorial. Well, JMS says it. I managed to listen to bits of the commentary. Didn't quite have time for all of it, but he definitely says this was his first thing. Yeah, his first. Directing gig? I, th- yeah. I think actually it was his second. I think JMS was wrong about that, but it was one of his first. Um, and it was, the episode was written by JMS. <laughs> I mean, it, oh, you keep on saying it, but. I know, I have been to. It's for so long. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the requirement. It's in the document, so I have to say it. Um, mm-hmm. So now let's start with the recap. Yeah, and on the commentary, um, JMS was saying he's glad this episode got to be made because um, it's not that spoilery just to say that he got to close out some of the story arcs that you know didn't get to close out at the end of season four when they had to wrap up the show. Yeah, and uh, he kind of considers Babylon 5 as much a story of Londo and Jakara as it is anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of their story. And there's one more thing is... Babylon 5 is not so much of where we end up, but how we get there. Yeah. I'm curious as to, like, what the fan consensus is, or if there's even been discussion, like, I'm sure there's been discussions of, you know, was it for the best that JMS wrote so many episodes, or would it have been a little better for him to just sort of guide the whole series, but not write every episode? Because I feel like something must get lost a little bit you know some kind of creativity some james is is is, uh, obsessed with writing first of all Mm -hmm. but he also told that uh, doing all these uh, and being showrunner almost killed him i bet that's a lot i mean just you're so in it all the time you can never step out of it and look at it from a different perspective and it also it cost him his marriage oh He's, he's been quoted for saying that. Right. It's one of those uh, it, passion projects, really, isn't it? And, uh, as much as the show is about choices, the whole process of making Babylon 5 is, you know, a whole process of choices in of itself. It is. Yeah, there's some things that I don't like that I see in Babylon 5 a lot, and I wonder how much... Well, not a lot, but from time to time. I just wonder how it would have been different if you know someone else had helped out other people. It, it's it's difficult though because the more people who are involved, the more the vision does get 
altered. And, yes. you know, there's a balance to be struck. You know, they, they, there is a kind of middle ground where you, you get a great story and you get exactly what JMS wanted to tell, but it wouldn't be so much work for JMS himself to do on his own. You know, other people could have helped him out more. Yeah, right. yeah it's, one, that's hard, yeah. yeah. One, one of the things was, of course, that he was so much in a hurry to finish the arc in season four, the main arc, and uh, he was so so much into the story, he wasn't really willing to to uh, to delegate. Right. I mean, it's also a matter of tone, too. I mean, you want to strike the right tone, and I think there's more, maybe this show wouldn't be as much of a... Uh, harmed by different writers, you know, but um, some shows uh, you could definitely see. And it, uh, I, I want to bring up, like, Ryan Murphy shows. Sometimes <laughs> he has, like, three main writers or something like that. And uh, and you can definitely see, the, like, differences in tone between the writers and differences it's, in uh, theme. It's not just uh, writers either. If you've got house directors, you know, directors that set the tone and... You know, sure. understand showrunners. You know, yeah, it's um, not just showrunners, but you know, we've got consist, we've got regular directors. You know, for example, one of the other Babylon rewatch podcasts mentioned Mike Behar quite a lot. He's worked a lot on Babylon Five. He shaped the look of it, maybe not the you know direction or the world itself, but the way it looks on screen. He's a huge influence. Well, so, so are the, uh, the the crew doing effects and... Uh, oh, and the uh, actors, of course. And, and, yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, that's true. Costumes but and stuff. But h- him having so much of a hand in the show, um, it's definitely lives or dies by what he does. And, mm. you know, uh, he has ultimate control over everything, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I... Let's actually compare it to X-Files, for example, you know, it's <laughs> in my mind recently, but, you know, Chris Carter had a huge influence over that, but the episodes we remember tend to come from outside writers who are able More like to... like one-off episodes kind of thing. Yeah. yeah Retained. Are able to take a look at the universe he created and interpret it in a different way. Mm-hmm. But still keep kind of the core of what the show is, is. Did JMS, he was the one that did, um, what was that show on Netflix? Sense8? Sense8, yeah. yeah. Did he write all the episodes of that? Nope. I think they Um, all three, uh, got credit for writing all of it together. Yeah. But he's not doing it on his own. He's working with all the Wachowskis, right? Right. Okay, that's right. And it's a very different tone. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Um, but but you can still see his influence on it. But he, it's not him alone putting all the work in. Oh, he, he's uh, totally. I think he learned from Babylon Five not to do all the work on his own. Yeah, that's one of the things. What do you think was most important to JMS? Like plot? I think character? more characters. Character. You know, the story he wanted to tell with these characters. But the story is plot too. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, but, uh, I mean, the plot is, you know, the events of the, sh- the Shadow War, the rise of the Interstellar Alliance. That's the plot of Babylon 5. 
the story is what happens to the characters, is what how Londo changes from season one to this episode in season five, and a little bit down the line of what we've seen of his future. But you, but he already kind of knew at the beginning what he was going to get to, right? So he had to move the characters in that direction. Yeah, he, he had a lot. He knew what story he wanted to tell with his characters, yeah. so he wanted to explore that. You know, I've seen a bit of his uh, uh, Lord Raft, and he he had several things. He had warrior warrior becoming religious, religious becoming warrior, and so and a few other things. So it's it's more in general terms, right? But I'm um, thinking like you know, letting the the story go where the characters take you. You know, as it's developing, like, okay, this character is, you know, it's a kind of an organic type thing versus knowing where you're going to end up and getting your characters there. You know I mean? Right. Yeah, but he, he knew I where see what I mean. He said, he said yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you mean by that. Um, it, it's kind of, because it's, it, it's weird. He, he already knew the road the characters walk, would walk down. But wasn't he also willing to replace people, too? Um, Sorry. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what you mean, but it's kind of the voices of the characters. He allowed, it's kind of, he would allow the style, you know, the style they walk down the path to inform themselves, but the path was already set, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But That's they how could I dance down it. it, they could yeah. saunter down it, but the path was the path. He also was good at adapting to uh, what the actors were really good at. Hmm. But Jakar was always going to like become a prophet or whatever, and the, wor- uh, the warrior becoming religious leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was always going to sort of become friends with Blondo. I believe uh, that's definitely. I I think that was intended, but I think if the, the if the characters or the actors hadn't worked out, that whole idea would have been explored with other characters instead. Hmm. Quite possible. You know, it, it, there's ideas he wanted to explore and uh, character, you know, journeys he wanted to explore, but the characters who took those journeys and how those journeys ultimately ended up going was kind of a little bit more fluid. I guess, but I don't see Delenn and Sheridan having any chemistry at all. And yet they're still together. I mean, that's just, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. That one is a bit more forced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's just that, you know, you've got really great actors in, um, Andres and, um, Peter Jurisic, that. Both, both of them, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, both, fantastic, yeah. That, they make you believe these characters so much and make you believe how natural it is that you don't question how created or, um, constructed any of this is. Whereas, you know, if you're not buying the relationship between Delana and Ava, sorry, Delana and Ava. No. <laughs> wow, that's a new one. Uh, Delana and Sheridan, then you're not going to, if you're not going to believe it, then you can, you can see the inner workings 
easier. You can see kind of where it's being constructed. Yeah, I think he got really lucky with Andreas Katsoulas. Oh, um, definitely. All right. <laughs> um, recap time. We haven't even started the recap. <laughs> no, we well, haven't. I'm sure this is a substantive discussion. Yeah. Oh, no, it is really good. I mean, because it's the combination of um, one of the main characters of the show. And as we go towards the end here, we're going to have more of these discussions. We really are. And I had time to finish eating while you were talking. So Perfect. <laughs> um, Thanks for your contribution, Will. <laughs> um, so we start with a previously on, and then we see Londo helping in uh, Jakar out of his cell after he saved his life. Uh, Londo saved Jakar's life, and he Londo says everything will be all right. And Garibaldi's updating Sheridan, Sheridan on the Centauri Prime situation and on the fact that Delin is missing and Delin and Lanier are on their white star. I, I think that I don't know how to say this, but this is kind of linking our discussion that we just had with this whole Londo and Jakar thing. Remember when we had the episode where Londo was dying and he was having those dreams uh, the, no, very the long elevator night. Uh, oh, no no not that not, well, I, uh, what you're talking about the very long night of Mul- London Mulari yeah. 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 yeah where he has the heart attack and Heidi and I were saying basically I think it was Heidi and I that we were saying we're kind of over the whole Londo Jakar thing like they they keep emphasizing this um, I think and that was when you know Jakar was was more ang- you know, angrier, right? Yeah. So they were really emphasizing, you know, Jakar's anger, and now they're really emphasizing their reconciliation. And I think this is an offshoot of his really wanting to drive the characters in one direction that he kind of replays things and really emphasizes things to a point where, and it's not just in this first part of the episode, but it's towards the end. It's kind of getting a little bit much for me. Just okay. emphasizing their, every time their status, you know, it's either emphasized or, I mean, reinforced or it's slightly changed, you know, and we're slowly getting to where Jakar, you know, unconditionally forgives Londo. And it's not subtle at all. And I think this is an offshoot of his knowing where he wants to go with the characters and really wanting to point that out. And I don't know, for me, it's not really working as, as much because I just feel like it, it's just so heavy handed that you really don't get a breath from it. Okay, and you don't get to, yeah. to sort of get there on your own. Um, I can see your criticism there. I mean, JMS has actually said himself that he, he likes the storytelling method of kind of going full circle of of doing that, of replaying the same scenario from a different perspective. He likes that as a storytelling device to convey something. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's a it's a tell-don't-show, isn't it, really? I mean, Londo could have saved Jakar, and Jakar could save Londo, and da-da-da-da-da, but then they have to reinforce everything with them talking about it um, every time, I feel like, and it's almost to the point where we feel bludgeoned with, I feel bludgeoned with it at some point. Like I get it, you know? Um, so it takes up time 
and so you you kind of prefer the moments later on than when all they need to do you know to say goodbye to one another is kind of you have the non-slute of the hands on the chest and kind of that nod from Londo and they part ways I always I I generally I mean I don't know I guess it depends I mean show don't tell tell don't show I mean there's a time for everything but I feel like he tells more than he shows I mean, he, mm. or he shows and then he tells you know I think it's one or the other okay um, so mm-hmm. uh, but anyway I was skipping to the end sort of it's an encompassing uh, point that really covers multiple episodes but yeah. um I, I, I doubt we've seen the end of this, but maybe we have, hopefully. So Londo finds the regent, finds out that the attack is moving away from the capital, and finally sees who they are. And the regent says it's Londo's time now. Yay. The uh, regent talks very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I, have one, I have one little thing, and that's for you, Beth. Remember when the, the, older, the old emperor asked Kosh, how will it all end? And you remember the reply? Uh, was that when he said in fire or something? In fire. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But and end, like, end is vague. <laughs> like, what end? Uh, yeah. Well, nothing really ends. It right. just no. changes. It just changes to a new story. Mm-hmm. The end is the beginning. It's the end. Um... So we have the opening credits. This was JMS's first commentary for season five, so it was the first time we've heard him talk about the opening credits. He just said it when Oh, it, really? It was his first commentary? Yeah, oh. for yeah, season five. He, he right. does take for season five. He actually says in this, in the bit that I actually was able to go through, that he wasn't keen on doing commentaries for season five because he didn't want the story to end again. He hadn't really watched it since he had first produced the series, it was difficult for him to see it come to an end. Aww. Well, yeah, he said he wanted probably. these uh, credits to kind of reflect the panorama of the series, and they spent, they spent days working on them. I, w- I would assume. Yeah. It was been yeah. a few days, yeah. Well, it took us a while to come up with the audio clips for our, our intro this took year. Us two years to do now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason says they're called the Drock, and Londo knows they worked for the Shadows. The Drock are kind of sad that their masters are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? Well, we, yeah. I'm just curious as to how that relationship with the Shadows was. I want to know why they loved them. Well, I want to know more. They probably believed. They probably believed. Yeah. Believed in just chaos. As- well, well, just as the Mambari worked with the Vorlons for a thousand years, maybe a bit more, um, the Druk worked with the Shadow for, you know, even longer, maybe. And right, maybe but he said... lived on Zahadun. <laughs> yeah. They were their masters and they loved them. Or, no, they were their masters and the Druk loved the Shadows. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting, and I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see the whole thing. Right. But, um, but so, yeah, so it's... I want to see the Downton Abbey. The <laughs> okay. The upstairs and downstairs. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but they remembered uh, Centauri Prime after 
Sahadun was destroyed. And then we flash back to Morden. Oh, Morden's Morden. hair in this scene. He <laughs> oh, <laughs> was going full What's wrong with this hair? Band. How dare you? There's nothing wrong with this. It's just full boy <laughs> band. <laughs> um, yeah, so Londo puts everything together about how they wanted to get revenge against the Centauri. They want a new home and they want the Centauri to be beaten, so they will have to rely on the Drock, and the Drock can guide them. Oh, Lando, what happened to your habit of recording every conversation you're a part of? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Oh, but still, if any, oh, I think still the Drock would be able to do some damage, you know. What in the world happened to Lando last week? Um, you know, last- when, or whatever, the last episode. Last week for us. They were just examining months. him or something. I don't know. Yeah, they I think they were. I don't think no, they, they were preparing him. I think they've got to prepare someone to have the keeper on them. Probably. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But they're in those other aliens that they were working with must also be working. I mean, not working for the shadows, but allied Had with worked. the shadows. Well, yeah. 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 Um. So, yeah, they're going to go to work quietly on Centauri Prime, so... This is... is, Okay, explain this all to me. This is, like, just revenge? Uh, It's partial revenge on London for killing um, lots of shadows, and then wanting to use Centauri Prime as kind of their new homeworld. Um, kind of, so they kind of want to create the right sort of environment so that they can keep themselves secret for the rest of the galaxy. And nobody's going to ever find out. (laughs) Yeah, right. There's no focus on Centauri Prime right now. But, um, no, not at all. (laughs) So they're, because now Londo's pushing them in an isolationist direction. Yeah. So they'll be, um, well, isolated. They've isolated themselves. So they won't have oversight, I guess. Yeah. I don't That's know. I feel like the they could find an empty planet somewhere. But but it's part of the revenge of Londo, so we could do it on an empty planet somewhere, but we're going to make it Centauri Prime. That's quite the revenge. Because of what you did to our masters. Quite the revenge, yeah. Dish and circle, if people indeed. show up on an empty planet, that might get noticed. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Like somebody moved into that vacant house over there. Let's go talk to them. <laughs> Um, Let's go find out who they are. Well, you know, in twenty. Well, you know, not in twenty years, but in about um, fourteen-ish years' time, when um, Sheridan and Delenn are captured on Centauri Prime, and then Rondo releases them, uh, they discover what's going on. Yeah, this is the keeper. Yeah, so shows them the keeper. I did. Yeah, I so we do know in the future it's going to be found out somehow. And Centauri Prime is still burning, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, unless that's a new war a new that's kind fire. of you know taking place, so you know, or unless there was no repair done, because in the episode they're saying there's a load of. Um, Reparation Centauri Prime has to pay, and so no repair work can be done. So they didn't say they they the they, fire out. They, they actually say that. that yeah, take everything we have. So they can't do any repairs. So Buzz 
you know, things you fall into repair, burst into fire, fall into repair, burst into fire, and <laughs> all that remains is the palace. It's a loop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Londo says that you aren't going to do this, but the Drock learned from Londo, and they planted bombs throughout Centauri Prime, and the Drock oh, pulls shit. out the switch. Like, what if he accidentally hits somebody? <laughs> <laughs> like, is this all of them at once, or is it like you just choose? It's like hmm. a callback, yeah. Or if he, like, accidentally drops it, like, whoops. I know, don't sit down. <laughs> it's got to be some kind of extra security on that switch. Scary. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so Lando's like, oh, what do you want from me? Um, uh, it's interesting he's asking that question now. What yes, do what want? do you want? So Sheridan's talking to that um, Narn guy, Robin Sachs. Yeah. And tells him... <laughs> they like to reuse people on this show. Do you notice? They have the... Drock is actually the guy that played Lorien. Yeah. Um, and the Inquisitor. Yeah, the Inquisitor. And a couple of others down the line as well. Yes. Uh, so, um, so the Narn guy, I can't remember his name, but he's made it so that Sheridan can join. He said that we made it so you can join with clean hands, join the fighting. And the Centauri ships are going to be back soon. You can either fight or hold back and die. I mean, he's basically like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the whole thing of, you know, pushing somebody into the corner of, yes, you've got choice here, but not really. We're kind of forcing your hand again. You've got all the power of the world to not fight with us, but that's your choice of killing all of us. Yeah. So Regent says to Londo that the ships are going to come back and attack Sheridan, uh, but the Regent can't give the surrender order because he's Londo's alibi. Londo can give the order, just say, you know, the Regent did all this and he was crazy. And the Regent doesn't care if Londo blames him because he's going to be dead soon. I but he said that in a, in a sentence that took like five minutes. <laughs> that whole scene. Right? In a monologue. Yeah, this is a really good monologue, though. I thought he was, um, but it, yeah, he was just talking really slow. <laughs> it was his farewell speech. Yeah. Yeah, farewell to a lovely secondary character that, you know, has been on the show since the very first series, you know, and. Oh, uh, I was like, die already. <laughs> I'm done with you. Oh. He's not I'm afraid. not in the mood for his slow talking. So his keeper leaves and he dies. What happened to that keeper? That's not the same one that Londo got, was it? No, it's not. Yeah. No. I mean, you according to, um, what's it, JMS, the drug grow keepers all over their body. And <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Sheridan can't get in touch with the Lynn or Centauri Prime. And the Lena Lanier talking about how their situation doesn't look good. Ugh, I got tired of this listening was to them talk. It was. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like we know they're not going to die, so it was just pointless to me. Well, no, it's it's a contrived scene to make Lanier say he loves Delaine. How do we not already know that? But he hasn't active. He hasn't said the words. If you get what I mean, on on TV, it's. It, it, it's a cliche, and it's a cliche JMS has fallen into. Is that it's never real until they actually say those three words. 
I swear that he said it. He loves her before. I swear. It's so not to a fight. Marcus. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, and and it's like she already knows basically because I mean the whole stuff about why he was going to be a ranger. He was. Yeah, she already her. knows. We already know. We don't want to see him say it. So it was. Uh, it was Super boring awkward. build up Firstly, to a really a comfortable pointless exchange. Firstly, for this time, it, the disappointing thing is Delenn's reaction afterwards wasn't that, oh, okay, God. we're going to actually finally address what you've said, and we're going to talk about it like adults, and we're going to move past it. No, we're going to pretend like it never happened. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't. Pre- she didn't pretend like it didn't happen. She was circumspectly acknowledging it. Well, no, not even circumspectly. She acknowledged it, but she acknowledged that it wasn't something that we want to talk about in the future, you know? But it's something they should have actually talked about. Except, what, her saying, leave me alone, you stalker freak? <laughs> no, it should have been kind of... I mean, she partially of going the route she did or saying, thank you very much, you know, that was a huge compliment, but... We've got to, you, you got, we've got to find a way of, of you moving past this. Of but that these. would be pointlessly embarrassing. He knows he needs to move past it. And he, she, her, I think her saying thank you or I know or whatever was, I mean, he knows that she does, I mean, I hope at this point he knows that she won't like him like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I mean, I don't think she needed to lecture him at that point. Okay, it just, it, to me, it feels like he's not moving past it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's well, just me. Well, he didn't think he was about to die. <laughs> so we have he to didn't think he was about to die. A slight bit of leeway. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I'm the first person to say Lanier has not been acting appropriately um, in the last, se- you know, season and a half or season or whatever. But... Uh, I don't know that that was the time to, like, talk. I mean, he was basically giving a, a last minute. And he didn't say, love me back or kiss me or anything like that. Um, and they stole Luke and, I mean, Han and Leia's line from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Very different circumstance, though. It's kind of these people, you know, well, Delenn at least has feelings for someone else. And he's kind of... Yeah, I, I see what it's saying. It's just, mm, do they? I mm, guess. Um, that's do, still, it's still bothering me a little bit. <laughs> it, it bothers oh, me I hear too. You. I think they should have addressed. She should have addressed it more head on somehow instead of just like, oh, let's. I didn't hear that thing you said. There was too much noise, and he's like, oh. but she wasn't really. Say, she wasn't saying that like he should believe what, that she didn't hear it because she went on and said, you know. Basically, I think we should just leave it at that. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a whole Membari thing, isn't it? You never lie unless it's to save someone else's honor. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think she was saying that to have him actually believe that she didn't hear him. Because otherwise she wouldn't have gone on to say what she did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, maybe the reason why I'm finding it difficult is maybe because... It's part of it does feel like it's coming from the Membari angle of, okay, let's uphold each other's honor here, even in this difficult situation where we're in a 
we're trying to acknowledge feelings. Right. Yeah, you know? I mean, I definitely don't like the whole plot, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. It, I know I'm, it's it's just, there are a few bits of Babylon 5 that, even as a big fan, uh, sometimes rub me the wrong way. Of course, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> so Centauri ships heading back to the home world. Londo uh, checks in on Jakar. Jakar is grateful for Londo saving him. They have a laugh and a chat. Um, and Londo's in charge, even though he's not officially emperor. He's not sure he'll ever see Jakar again. He wants to say goodbye. And he gives Jakar a little warning that you may hear some weird things about me. But he hopes Jakar never really understands what's going on. Well. He channels a bit the uh, the regent, doesn't he? Mm. And mm. Jakar says that, you know, his people can't forgive the Centauri, but he can't forgive Londo for everything. Mm. The the line that he found difficult. But it, it's what's interesting is at this moment he's kind Londo's last moment he chooses to go and see Jakar. He chooses his last moment of freedom to go to his friend and yes. say everything that he possibly can that kind of he wishes he had up until now. I have no problem with the line or the scene on its own, <laughs> but it's a you know it's it's that plus all the other scenes we've seen that make it heavy-handed. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was a great line. It's a great scene. Of course it is. Two good actors, you know, good lines, touching, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's just I, I've seen everything else. So to me, it just it didn't have as much effect as I think it was meant to for mm. me. Well, you, I wonder if seeing it condensed the way that we have makes it different. It probably does. But I in mean, a way, it's less condensed than... A lot of new viewers are seeing it because a lot of new viewers are just binge watching it. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. But when you binge watch, sometimes it's like you can forgive. I almost think that sometimes binge watching watching is more forgiving than watching things one one episode a week because you really want each episode to be giving you something new to be really more momentous when you're only watching 45 minutes a week because... You can't go on, you know, you can't just keep running through. But when you're just running through, it's like you don't expect each episode on their own to be so fantastic. Yeah, you know a lot what of I mean? it kind of runs together. Mm. Right. That's true. Uh, that's um, what we've actually said about Babylon 5 in the past, especially when it comes to episodes, because everything runs together in your mind when you think back on the story. That's because you can't, <laughs> the titles don't mean anything. So, <laughs> well, sometimes they do. Sometimes, like this one, you know, I can probably <laughs> figure out obvious. what happened <laughs> when I look back at the title. Um, no, that was not difficult. Mm. I'm surprised it wasn't the fall of another planet, whatever happened to Michael Garibaldi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's really the Narn homeworld. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this is kind of the culmination of the Jakar Londo storyline. Yes. Mm. Is it? Uh, well, apart, right, more or less, everything else we've seen is kind of in the future. 
I know, that's true. I mean, Londo knows they're going to see each other again, but he probably doesn't want to put a downer on the situation. <laughs> and he's only seen one part of when they meet up again. Yeah, the bad part. But he kind of probably doesn't want to tell Jakar not only do we yeah. kill each other, but you're also going to lose that really sweet prosthetic eye you've got. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so Londo leaves and tells Jock he is ready, and they both start getting undressed and giving each other these looks. I'm like, wait, what's about to happen here? <laughs> giving each other these, like, serious looks. <laughs> but, yeah, Jock pulls off a keeper, and it attaches itself to Londo. Yeah. Londo, okay, right, taking my jacket, my cravat, opening up the front buttons of my shirt so that it can attach to me. By the front? From the back. <laughs> yeah, you got up my back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Sheridan still can't get in touch with Delenn. Uh, they get a transmission from, they pick up a transmission from Centauri Prime to their ships. There's some kind of argument. The Centauri fleet stops. And then Londo calls Sheridan and said, yeah, we can stop this now. This was the region all along. And Sheridan wants to come talk. Talk about Delin and Londo. He's reluctant at first, but he says, okay. You can already tell that, you know, these, ah, little, he can say, he can, he, he can already feel that yeah. keeper is exerting control. He doesn't want people to come to Centauri Prime. Well, no, it's, I mean, there's various reasons for that. He, yeah. You know, a, he's pushing people away, but he's also trying to keep the safe, but, his attitude of being antagonistic, of being, you know, is what the keeper and the drug want. Is that attitude is what kind of is the influence from the drug and the keepers? I think. Yeah, I think so. So in private, Londo's asking Drock about Delin and begs him not to kill her. Uh, on I was like, to- eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again. Don't mean nothing to me. Um, uh, in Centauri Prime, Sheridan wants to know exactly where Delin was attacked. And Londo says, if I help, I may ask you for a favor one day. And this favor was supposed to, JMS said in the commentary, this favor was supposed to come back up in a follow-up series if they did one. Um, Hinting towards Crusade, I think, here. Oh. Because at this point, he were, you know, this is well after Crusade was even made. And he I thought, had ready, okay. he had, again, like Babylon 5, he had kind of planned out a five-year story arc for Crusade. So Londo and Jakar are in Crusade? They were supposed to be. Oh, okay. I thought if he was talking continue about... In Crusade, just, this is a really minus baller because it never happens because Crusade never went that long. Mm. But as Crusade went so long, you would have gotten the cameos from people in Babylon 5. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so Alondo's being really antagonistic, putting up a front, and Sheridan's mad and reminds them that, you know, the Centauri are going to owe reparations and tells them about the pots they found on the Centauri ships. Alondo says he knows about them. The Emperor bought them. The Regent bought them on the black market. Part of me was wondering if Londo really knew about them at that point, if he just kind of made that up on the spot. No, he wouldn't. I reckon he made it up. Or maybe he's downloaded some knowledge from this thing. (laughs) Maybe so. 
So, yeah, Delin and Lanier, they use the last of their thrusters and they're like, Delin says, <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll find a million year old jump gate left behind by the first one. So I wonder what she's. And it's kind of, Delin, don't you remember last year when the Vaughan's left behind a death gate? <laughs> yeah. Hey, right, maybe she's making a reference to that movie they aired a few months before. Um, yeah, you don't want to find a millennial hold up gate. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> so they're going to fire weapons, but it's risky, and Delin's like, okay. <laughs> 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 and I guess they get the Centauri's attention because uh, the Centauri ships come, and looks <coughs> They're actually coming to fire, but then I guess they get a... I think JMS said they got a message at the last minute to... Save them and bring yeah, them home. That, that was the blurb we heard, I'm sure. So, yeah. Linnea, Linnea mentioned it. Yeah, so, yeah, we already talked about what, <laughs> what they said, so I'm not gonna, um, forget that ever happened. <laughs> See, I'm gonna forget that ever <laughs> happened. <laughs> Severe burst in on Londo, and Londo's mad about, like, don't ever burst in on me without knocking. Or you might yeah, see something you're not supposed to see. <laughs> right. I mean, he's trying to protect Veer, obviously, but... Uh... Uh, basically, from this point on, just doing everything he can to push people away and keep them safe. But at the same time, trying to isolate Centauri Prime uh, for the Drock. Yeah. Seems like there is another reference to Third Space in here somewhere. I can't remember what it was. Um, or what I thought could be a reference to Third Space. Um but yeah, so they don't know the full toll of the attacks, and Londo's going to address his people. Sheridan, Jakar, and Delin are there. It's not exactly a pro-alliance message. They're kind of, you know, standing you on their own. say that. Yeah. Although I think Londo's very clever here because he's able. I think he's tried to drop certain messages to try and keep the Centauri strong. Kind of, they, there's a line, it's, outsiders who come to kind of use us or something like that. It's kind of, if you interpret these words one way, you will actually realize that the, the drug are here to kind of mess with us. Mm. Yeah. But you don't say they're going to rebuild and make Centauri Prime great again. Um. Yeah, and afterwards, Veer's like, yeah, I don't know why he said that, but I'm sure he had a good reason. And Londo comes in and says, my reasons are my own. It's probably best y'all don't come to the inauguration. Yeah. But he appoints Veer ambassador to B5. Unexpectedly. Not necessarily. A couple of weeks ago, he says, yes, I'll make you but, uh, ambassador to Babylon 5. Yeah, wait, that's nice. Not, not unexpected. Oh, I thought you said unexpectedly. <laughs> Sorry. I yeah, thought you said, said it too, so it's not just <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, he sends everyone away saying, we'll talk when things calm down. See, there's like seconds when he's nice, Londo, but then he goes right back in the kind of being, you know, antagonistic. pushing everyone away, antagonistic. And Delin- Well, you know, it's like uh, I gave him a hard time a few episodes ago for being so vehemently opposed to the Alliance when he said that Centauri Prime was not involved, but he was right. I mean, they weren't. If you, I mean... Yeah. The, I mean, it was. The minister was 
involved, but he was involved against his will, so... Yeah. You know, even though he was doing it because of different reasons than being right, <laughs> per se, I mean, he was right, so give him that. Yeah, Dylan thanks Londo on Lanier's behalf and says she hopes Londo will... Find us. She prays that he'll find his way out of the darkness around him. At this point, I was thinking this is another time where Londo should tell Delin to shut up. <laughs> I don't know why. Like she's like, "Oh, I see you have a darkness around you. I hope you find your way out." Like Delin. I know Nobody that's helpful. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you were not quite the man I met five years ago. <laughs> Have you put on some weight? <laughs> I hope you find your way out of that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jakar says goodbye to Londo. Early, yeah, do the little thing. And then Londo says, Veer to tell them he is ready. And we have some flashbacks, a Londo montage, which is pretty cool. Yep. Right, yeah. And Londo goes outside to bail tolling. He walks alone like he said he would to his yeah. uh, inauguration thing. And I think this is uh, part, part of um, a small cropping issue on the DVDs. Uh, you know, they've done a few things when they republished these DVDs, and I think they've cropped some of the CGI images because it doesn't look, quite look right. Yeah. You know, Londo disappears out of um, the shot a little too early when he's walking towards his inauguration I think because you can see him at the bottom of the screen for all a millisecond and then he disappears uh, but the cam- camera continues to kind of pan up a little bit but I think he's supposed to be able to see him walk you know a bit more okay yeah I didn't look for that so uh... but no it just didn't look right you know yeah uh, JMS was saying on the commentary that this next scene was like, he kind of realized that he forgot to wrap up this thing about the ships and there were like two minutes left in the episode. So <laughs> like, whoops. So yeah, they're looking over the, um, on Babylon fire. They're talking about the shadow tech and their investigations over. It's reached a dead end. And Franklin says this tech frightens him. And he talks about the San Diego ruins and how, you know, people can use technology left behind, even though, they can't build it themselves and don't really understand it. But they're willing to use it. Mm. Yeah. But also, that... JMS mentions here why he nuked San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I got, I used to live there, but you got mugged there and kind of, it didn't kind of, it didn't go well for me. It's a nice city and I've got friends there, but I'm going to bomb the city every chance I get. <laughs> yeah. He said he liked going to Richard Biggs for exposition because he could just handle long, lots of dialogue. So maybe call him Dr. Exposition from now on. <laughs> Last four <laughs> episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, I actually, he does a pretty good job with it, actually. Yeah. He's, I don't know what it is, but he, he, he makes it seem not as annoying as some others. Though he is kind of annoying still. <laughs> exposition is hard. Episode 518, Dr. Franklin kind of gets a compliment. Let's remark that down. Super witchy watchy, but. Delin, yeah. Delin's exposition is like <laughs> thousands of years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that didn't help. And Barini's is not good. 
Yeah, but they're saying that allies of the shadows might be using this technology. Maybe the Vorlons left something. Then Lita. Oh, this was the other possible reference to their space. Maybe some programming left in Lita made her say, the Vorlon oh, homeworld's yeah. off limits until we're ready. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. A million years. Yeah, a million that. years, which and we saw in... This is also a reference to um, deconstruction of falling stars. It because is. that's where the humans are heading in a million years' time. Right, yeah, yeah. for sure. But this yeah. this was... And again, that's basically saying that the Vorlons... Now, does that mean the Vorlons can see the future, or that they're just going to let them in a million years, and they're just expecting them to be there in a million years? I don't they're, know. They kind of are expecting at least one of the races they've mentored to be advanced enough in a million years' time to use Vorlon tech. They're making an awful big assumption. Maybe they program the um, tech to let humans in in a million years, and hopefully they'll be ready. Hopefully they'll still be a race and all that. They'll be alive. The whole civil war they had in 500 years doesn't kill them. (laughs) Right. And the whole Lita being taken over thing was creepy. So I don't know. Where the I wish you could have done it more naturally and been like, "Oh, hey, I don't know, it just popped in my head." But like, <laughs> a million years, okay. <laughs> well, we, we've had that nobody thing. else really seemed concerned. She just all of a sudden had this pop out of her, and they're like, "Okay, it's Lita." Well, <laughs> We're used to <laughs> her. Yeah, I seem, I seem to remember that that million years was also mentioned by uh, was his name in in, in Mind War. Jason Ironheart. Yeah, yeah I'll see you in a million years. Maybe. In a million years. Maybe Jason Ironheart went to the Vorlons because he realized, oh, they're at, I'm at the evolutionary level they're at. I go oh, to them. We? Yeah. I'll go to them for help and kind of sanctuary. And maybe he's the one who's guarding Vorlon space at the moment. Who can tell? Not the show. <laughs> <laughs> So Zach says the fighting stopped, things are settling down. And on Centauri Prime, Londo's on his throne, but he doesn't look too happy to be there. All alone in the night. Got what he wanted, but at a price. Quite a price. That's the end of the episode. Four left. Four left. Yes, just four. Well, three for me. I accidentally watched the penultimate episode. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. (laughs) Now you've seen a lot of the other stuff. Because you'll see more in the penultimate episode this time around, I think. Oh, I'm sure. Any quotes? Yes. Yeah, I actually have a quote. Oh, one thing is, um, so do we believe this is um, the fulfillment of the Lady Morella's prophecy, you must surrender to your greatest fear knowing it will destroy you? It could be that, or it could be his uh, surrendering to Jakar. I thought that's what it was. Because is this uh, really his greatest fear? Well, losing control completely. Yeah, but I thought his, because he's always been afraid of the dream he's had. Of, uh, yeah. Of, yes. You know, Jakar. So, yeah, if that's his greatest fear, his, you know, ongoing death dream. If he surrenders to that, he knows... He's a, he, but he's also doing it at a point where he just set things in motion for the greater good, so that it's kind of weirdly surrendering to that fear 
in the process of surrendering to it, he's setting up something good. Yeah. You know, um, the quote the quote in 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 question when 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 he surrenders to Jikar is uh, for my own redemption and for mm-hmm. of course for some child crime. Uh, do I have any quotes? I don't. Uh, but I'll get Jan to go you, first. You, uh, Ian, you start then. Okay, because it might actually be the one you took, which is the, a London quote, but kind of inspired by the actor um, who plays the guy, you know, and inspired this line because he said a version of it which uh, JMS kind of nicked. Well, you go. Um, so London says, Isn't it strange, Chicago? When we first met, I had no power and all the choices I could ever want. And now I have all the power I could ever want and no choices at all. No choice at all. And shall I continue? If you want. Uh, Jakar saying, Mulari, understand that I can never forgive your people for what they did to my world. My people can never forgive your people, but I can forgive you. That was one of my... That's really good. Oh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I have, Jakar. I would be dead if not for you. You risked your life to save mine. Yes, you would have done the same. <laughs> Jakar, yes. yes, but I'm a better person. Oh, yes. I loved that one. <laughs> yeah, that that's one. like, yes. I didn't have it on my list, but uh, it's good. Because no one actually says that, but <laughs> Jakar's <laughs> would. But you're thinking it, but you don't ever say it. <laughs> <laughs> Jakar's always been that person, though. He... You know, no matter the evolution he's gone on, even in season one, he would have said something like that. But, uh, Beth, do you have a quote? No. <laughs> I think that if I did have one, it'd be the one that Will said. I did like that quote um, oh, during the show. It is. It is good. Oh, then I have one more. I would do Verini, but we don't have five, five minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll... I, I, you could do you can do the brief one. I have been many things in my life, Lando. I've been silly. I've been quiet when I should have spoken. I've been foolish, and I've been wasting far too much time. But I'm still Centauri, and I'm not afraid. You mean Centauri? <laughs> yeah, that was a really good scene. I was getting a little bit verklempt when he was going on for five minutes. But <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know why, mm-hmm. something about the way he said it, the way he was, was so sad, but also, well, maybe not sad, but he was also accepting what was about to happen to him. Uh, suppose, uh, we should do Alien of the Week first rather than Human of the Week, I think. But, yeah. Because, again, uh, this is Londo and story. Uh, it has to be Londo because this is... This is not how linear? We no, no. <laughs> this is how Londo ends. This is Londo's moment. Yeah, I agree. So Londo for Alien, yeah. who is human. That's more tricky. Okay, there were a few more humans than just Sheridan in more this than. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, the thing uh, is, Sheridan's the one who's in most of it. <laughs> I know, but it's And then sure. in the very last scene, we've got, you know, five more. Sorry, four more. Yeah. Mm, what about, what about Sheridan's one. assistant? Sheridan's the, assistant? 
you know, on the White Star, he's, um, Ranger. <laughs> oh, that guy. That guy was kind of cute. <laughs> Let's give it to the Ranger. <laughs> I'm voting for Clarence. <laughs> I know he wasn't into the episode, oh. but. Okay, I'm actually going to vote for Morden because I, I don't really care about humans. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very excited to see Morden again, so. You're very it wasn't anti-human about the this humans episode. this week. It wasn't about the humans this week. No, it was all about Lando. Yeah, right. not really. So I would say Sheridan, since he's really the only human that had us. I can, I can go with Sheridan. I don't want to go for Sheridan. But, uh, well, you can go with Lita that. or Zach or Dr. Franklin or... Actually, you know, Dr. Exposition's actually makes sense. Garibaldi. So you go with Dr. Exposition and I'll go with Dr. Morden and you guys can go with Sheridan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it works. So let's do ratings. What do you say, Yan? I say I really love this episode. I give it ten out of ten burning buildings. Ah, oh yeah, we didn't talk about the um, palace being, the windows being covered. Oh, oh yeah. Um, cause yeah, um, Blondo said, yeah, how can I look out at this? And Beer said, just board up the windows. I remember in the future when Londo was telling the story to the children, the windows were boarded up and they weren't able to look except out. Except one. Yeah, except one. Oh. So I did not remember that. So, okay. Oh, that's true. Ah, so, uh, Beth, what do you say? Oh. oh okay, go, Beth. Go for your ranting first. <laughs> Wait, no, Yang gets to go. Oh, no, he already went. Um, uh, oh, yeah, gosh. I don't know what going to say. Oh, this is, this is a hard one. Because I wanted to really like it, but, and I can see that it was a good episode, but it had things that I personally didn't really like as much, like the repetition and the slow talking and the linear and the lens stuff. So I'm going to rate it based on my personal like preference, not yeah, yeah. how I can see that it might be a good episode, you know, and I can see why people like it. But for me, it had too many things that I find repetitive or boring. So, which would be mainly the Lanier and Delenn stuff because I, I had no fear that they were going to die. And so it was just needless for me. Then the repetition of the Jakar and Londa, even though I was good, I, I just didn't get the same effect from it as I feel like I should have. And then Marie needs slow talking and then Sheridan, (laughs) whatever Sheridan, I didn't really care about whatever he was doing. So I'm going to give it a seven, um, seven, um, a seven gentle bitch slaps to Lanier. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, how about you? Oh, you're going a bit, um, weird there. <laughs> yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Yes. <sighs> Fuck. Sort that out and I'll give my rating. <laughs> Sorry, I'll give my rating and then we can grab Beth or do you want to grab Beth first? Uh, let's go ahead and give the rating. Okay, well, I did really enjoy this. It's, well, this is the end of, um, London's story as we've said and it's bittersweet. Um, I, I enjoy his character arc and it's, it's both writing and acting both combined into this fantastic character that goes on such a journey. And, 
you know, there's no Londo without Jakar, so that that one's fantastic as well. Um, just all in all, a really great story, marred a little bit by having to go off to, um, you know, side plots, I think, that interrupt everything more than anything else. It just interrupts this play. Because that's what Jamis is writing here, especially in this episode. It, it's a play. Mm-hmm. And it's really enjoyable for that. Just marred slightly. Um, so I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 Lonely Londos. Oh, poor Londo. Well, I really enjoyed the episode as well. Um I guess it could have been all about Centauri Prime, and I would have been happy with that. Yeah, some of the other stories, yeah, the the near Delin stuff, I could have done without that. Um, you're like, why was that even in, why was that there? Um, um, so yeah, it was a really great episode. Good to see uh, the culmination of some of the story arcs we've seen. So I'll give it 9 out of 10 uh, shirtless drops. <laughs> you just made them sound like runway models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a 8.75. It's one of the <laughs> highest of the season, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Second highest of the and season. And I guess if I had been a normal person, it would have been ranked higher. Oh, sorry, <laughs> know, guys. Fine. And, sh- and shouldn't we add at some stage uh, Heidi's uh, rating? Yeah, well, we won't know that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But there's a few episodes she's got to chime in on that. You know, we'll change the rating for some of these later episodes. So now, let's get our keepers and go to Feedback Land. You get a keeper and you get a keeper. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, I didn't do... Okay, I'll do Feedback. <laughs> I didn't collect it all together. Our first... Oh is a comment from Board 99 Board says, Londo is my favorite Babylon 5 character, and for me at least, he's the character who best displays what's worthwhile about Babylon 5 as a series. Take a second to think back to the Londo you met in Season 1. Think in particular of the Londo who sets out to kill Jakar in desperation and anger in Midnight on the Firing Line, and think of how, step by step, everything has brought him to this point. Quite a lot of the famous five-year arc doesn't really hold together all that well, but this is part of a, but this part is a single coherent story. And it all works. It all makes sense. It's all interesting to watch. It all feels like you're watching the journey of a real person, despite the fact that Lando spends a good deal of time in the middle of his story playing the role of a cartoonish villain. I can't think of a single bad performance that Peter Jurisic gives. And for me, there's an important moral aspect to this. Babylon 5 is often at its best when it's a show written by an atheist that's exploring Christian viewpoints. The key to Londo is that he does horrific things, but never entirely loses our sympathy. And it turns out that we were right to retain an element of sympathy for him, even in his worst moments. Londo is the monster that we could be, which is to say that there are no monsters, just other people. Which is why it's appropriate that, at this culminating point in Londo's story, the other characters in the main cast do not know what's going on, and have no option but to think of Londo as that cartoonish villain once again. With the partial exceptions of Jakar and Veer, the two saints, but only partial exceptions, 
Jakar explicitly and Veer, one imagines, know that there must be more to what is going on with Londo than there, is, than there appears, but they don't know what it is. Only we, the viewers, know that. The episode ends with Londo alone on his throne in the ruins of the palace, alone except for us, the only people who know and can truly understand. For me, that's the most powerful single image in all of Babylon 5. But seriously, shouldn't Sheridan have remembered the fl his flash forward from War Without End at some point while this was all going on? Thanks, Ford. Yeah, good point. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I was wondering, I like, who remembered what? Yeah, who would, who was the one sitting to the future? It was Sheridan. Yeah, Sheridan. We talked really... about this before, didn't we? Yeah. Um, how, since it was so far in the future, he can't really be sure that what is happening now is part of what he saw in the future. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Because it's so far in the future that I, but uh, yeah, I think he should warn Lon. I don't know. But uh, Lara already knows, well, uh, so it's pointless. <laughs> it's too late now. She <laughs> yeah. said something. Uh, maybe he's not uh, equating Centauri being bombed and burning here to it being bombed and burnt out in the future. But you know what, though? You know how um, Londo kind of blames Sheridan? I know he was doing it um, partly as the fact that he was being kept, you know, in, in the in the flash forward, he was blaming Sheridan uh, partly for what was happening on Centauri Prime. You know, the reparations. I think we've all learned in history that uh, significant reparations can actually contribute to even more problems for the country. So you could say that Sheridan should have that in mind too, um, to not do anything that would further um, distress Centauri Prime with these huge reparations that he's asking for. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the um, things, I think, uh, that is indicative of um, JMS's writing at this point, is that he's drawing parallels again to um, World War II. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know... And one, and one even. You know, uh, yeah, and, the lead-up uh, to World War II kind of thing, the, mm, the reparations from World War yeah, One. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know... Vord brings up the whole idea of redemption and, and, you know, people changing and people having multiple sides. And it's funny because I was actually thinking about that during the episode. I was thinking about, you know, the whole idea of when you punish somebody, what does that mean? And can somebody change? And what what's the purpose of, of punishment? And, you know, whose goal does it, who's, who does it serve? And I was also thinking about how the show brought that up a little bit in the context of having the mind wipes. And, um, you know, it's something that's subtly explored, I think, in Londo's case, which is a good thing, I think, um, without getting us hit over the head with it. Um, yeah. Kind of open-ended. I mean, Londo did a lot of bad things. Really bad things. Really? <laughs> bad things that really... As much as good things as he does going forward, we'll probably never, you know, balance out the bad things he did. But at the same time, you know, the idea of should he be allowed to continue doing his good works or should he be punished for what he did, for his bad things that he did, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, it's a good thought. Well, there was another thought that uh, what happens with the, the regent right now in this episode is essentially that he's accepting the, uh, that this is the end. And the same thing happens with Rondo uh, 
about 17 years from now. God, 17 years of living with that thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm, well, yeah. So, no, it's not 17 years. It's uh, 15 years because it's 17 years, two years ago. Two years ago yeah. when... When the Shadow War was going on. No, no, it's 16 years because the Shadow War, War ended a year ago. Yeah. So, yeah. You kind of... That's weird sometimes when you've got to do this show's own maths. Um, because there's things people say on the dates things happen, but sometimes they're happening, you know, years before or after the point at which the show is taking place on. Mm-hmm. So you, you've always got to try and keep that in mind and compensate that when you're trying to work it out at a later point when the thing actually happens. Mm-hmm. I was just drawing the parallel between... Region and, and London on this trip. Mm, but still, they both, they, they both wanted it to end. Alright, next we have an email from Melanie. Uh, Melanie says, Hi down below. Remember that time when Londo and Jakar were stuck in the elevator and Jakar refused to cooperate because he wanted to watch Londo die? Around that time, someone posted a video of Jakar forgiving Londo in the spoiler group. That and the scene where Londo walks to his inauguration are the hearts of this episode. I would imagine being forgiven by Jakar was the most important moment of Londo's life. And then he remembers the first season. Londo was a lot happier before telling Morden that what he wanted or thought he wanted. And now the Centauri have to pay damages that will ruin their economy. Even without Drock around. Have that, has that ever worked out? Speaking of the Drock, they learned from Londo and planted bombs around Centauri Prime. Londo has been a patriot throughout the whole show, and the Drock probably know that from the shadows. I'm looking forward to the discussion about this one. Alien of the Week, Londo, Human, Sheridan. Seeing that should have been at some point. Jakara remembering that Veer apologized much earlier than Londo had less to do with the war and smuggled 2,000 Narn to safety. Hmm. Quotes, um, uh, Jakar saying that he can forgive Londo, uh, Drock, a shadow of a shadow, an echo of what was, our home Zahadum destroyed, we wondered, then we remembered this place, we remembered you. Ratings, 9.45, bonus for Jakar forgiving Londo. Point five five final rating ten out of ten emperors. Thank you, Melanie, the Krakovian beer fan. Thanks, Melanie. Yay. Thanks, Melanie. Ah, so now we do predictions. Oh no! Now it's time uh, for yes. predictions. And the next episode is called "The Wheel of Fire." Oh my God! Which is the title of the season? The fire. Well. Okay. Well, a wheel implies turning and renewing and going back and recycling and endlessness. Um, like, uh, stalling for time. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like time going forward. Uh, so maybe it's something like, um, um, well, <laughs> see, the problem is. <laughs> What I would have predicted, I can't, because I've seen the penultimate episode. Wow. So, um, I would have predicted, since Heidi's not going to listen to this before li- watching the penultimate episode. Well, maybe she will. I won't say it. Um, I mean, I feel like we, 
It's funny because I feel like this implies we're going to do some more stuff with Centauri Prime and the Shadows. But I feel like we've spent a lot of time already in the last two episodes there. And they probably will go on to something else. But I don't know what it would be. Um, so I guess I'll just say that we're going to learn a little bit more about these creatures that the Drock and the other supporters of the Shadows, maybe? Uh, and maybe we learn, hopefully, more about Lita's connection with the Vorlons, but I doubt it. Um, and the size, I guess, don't exist anymore. And I guess that's all I can think of. It's hard. Being so close to the end. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It's a shame. Um, we're always at a disadvantage when it comes to predictions, and there's only either... Beth or Heidi here. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> I was reading spoilers. Um, <laughs> I was like, I forgot that happened, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, Ian, thank you for joining us once again. Thanks, Ian. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I think this may this be. This episode. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure if it's your last appearance or not. If, um, if we do, if you're doing changeling, that that's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll be doing that at some oh, point. Uh, well, so. yeah, it's one of those extra episodes that you, you keep on meaning to do with us, but we never seem to find time for. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen. Trust me. Well, we just take it as it comes. Yeah, it just may not be scheduled for in advance, but it'll happen. <laughs> no. Uh, Give me some warning. Uh, yeah, or some warning, but it may not we be like months for, in advance. Oh, we arranged, you know, for it. Yeah. All right. So that's all we have this time, folks. We'll be back next time with the Wheel of Fire. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Stroke off. Be seeing you. <laughs> and be careful because you have entered. Aha! The Wheel of Fire. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. 